Previously on Shulbro's Week in Review. Now, are you allowed to call your colleague City Manager McSteve? We can ask our guest that, actually. Is that okay? Is that HR approved, though? We'll find out. I don't, I don't know if that would be considered some form of harassment or not. I mean, honestly, I think he would probably appreciate if I just called him City Manager McCheese. <laughs> like, that just I sounds don't cool. Think so. I don't know. You're listening to Shoal Bros Week in Review. Darren, I remember thinking, wow, you're ridiculously good looking. Maybe you could do that for a career. Is that Zoolander? <laughs> yes. You can't. You you find these movies, and the problem is, I always want to say something else in the movie, and that's completely inappropriate for this family show. Yeah, Zoolander did have some inappropriate uh, moments uh, with the like Maury our, our friend Mori. Mori. <laughs> God, what the you talking about? It's me, Mori. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. It's in the computer. In the it's computer. In the computer. <laughs> that's one of those movies that's so dumb and horrible, and yet it's kind of awesome. Oh, I love Zoolander, man. It is so good and so bad at the same time. It, I mean, I think objectively, it's, it's a bad movie, but it's very enjoyable. I don't know. I think objectively, it's like Tropic Thunder, where it's like so. Like the things it's doing are so shocking and terrible that it's purposely shocking and terrible. So that like it's so meta, you know. It's like a bad uh, movie tucked within a good movie tucked within a bad movie, just like, and they're winking at you, knowing exactly what they're doing, which makes it a good movie. Well, that could be. Tropic Thunder definitely was a little bit meta and wrong too, more wrong yeah. probably. Uh, prob- definitely more wrong. I don't think that one holds up. Uh, but I think they, I, I don't think it held up then. I think they, and I think they knew it. I don't know. Anyway. No, they were, they were being bad on purpose. Like that was a commentary of it. That was completely inappropriate on purpose. It's, it's not like one of these things like the eighties movies where like they thought yeah, it was cool to do that. <laughs> it was like literally doing that on purpose. So anyway, good reference. I got it. I'm back on a winning streak. Yeah, you're, you're back. And that, that was just so everybody knows what we're talking about. That was like where. He's like, I caught my reflection in the spoon while I was eating my cereal. And I remember thinking, wow, you're ridiculous and good looking. Maybe you could do that for a career. <laughs> and uh, if you don't know what we're talking about, Zoolander is about, it's a Ben Stiller movie about male models. Yes. <laughs> that's kind of why <laughs> he's... Telling you, yeah. it's, that's, it's so good. I, I don't know. I, sorry, I haven't seen it in a long time. So if it's like not good in ways that, you know, I, I, I forgot. But uh, I think it's like, anyway, Zoolander... I'll have to go see it again before I wholly endorse it. But let's, uh, we got, speaking of like, you would think there would never be a movie about uh, male models solving uh, crimes, crime syndicates, but uh, there it was. And we are going to see whether what I say today, I'm taking over real or fake duties. So we're going to find out uh, if you could guess whether my movie uh, that I found or made up is real or fake. Yes, and so we need to go. We need to pull the curtain back a little bit to the Schulmeisters because we are we are doing this a little out of order. So, due to the special nature of our guest, we actually have taped that segment already, and that's why this is a little bit late because we had to get that scheduled, and that took up our normal time to do our useless banter. Uh, and also, Jeff, I have some other news as to why we are a little later today. 
I, you you had to scoop? record through the lens with Darren and Tracy wherever five podcasts are found. Well, hold on. That's true. I'm a little bit frazzled. This will be, I'm doing three podcasts in two days. So I did record <laughs> through the lens with Darren and Tracy tonight. I did not even review the movie. So Marsha went up and reviewed the movie with Tracy and I still did the review partly because I have the anchor account and partially because it was fun. So I reviewed a movie I never saw, but they did a great job. So if you want to hear Marsha and Tracy <laughs> tell you about a movie that's coming out right after I finish this. But the yep. most important thing is I want, you want to scoop, guess who I'm interviewing tomorrow for won't you be our neighbor, the upper Arlington podcast. This is going to blow your mind. Casper Van Dyne. Van you know Dyne. what? I would say probably more famous than him. Wendy. Ooh, you're Does, actually like, the real Wendy live in yes. upper Arlington. You're, you're close. We are interviewing. I don't, I don't know if I'm ruining a surprise, but since the only people who sure. listen are people who work for Upper Arlington, and we've been talking about this all week, I am interviewing Chris Holtman, the Ohio State basketball coach. Oh, wow. Does he live in Upper Arlington? Yeah, and we are going down to the, to the Buckeyes arena, and we're interviewing him there. Wow. That's, I mean, that's cool. That's like huge. And I, I, I literally had this thing planned where I was going to videotape myself shooting baskets and asking him to like, recruit me, but... The guy I played with was like, dude, don't do that. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's 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 not really befitting of your uh, status within the community, but it 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 is fitting of the Shoal Bros podcast. So in that sense, you should do it. Yeah. So anyway, that's huge. So I'm preparing for that. So this will be a podcast of Palooza. So that's why we're a little off schedule. I had to say our um, Abby Cochran, our, our prior guest, did call and yell at me. Uh, she's feeling ill and said I ruined her life because all she needed to survive was the new episode of Shoal Bros and we didn't come out. And I told her we were recording it tonight. She's like, well, I'm feeling better now, so I don't have to listen. So Abby, I hope you're oh, feeling man. better, but not better enough to not listen to this episode. This is the first week that, oh, sorry, second time ever that I've gotten somebody saying, hey, where are the Shoal Bros? It's time. You're overdue. So the, the, the fan base, quote, quote, unquote, fan base, the listener base, not that big. Uh, but uh, loyal, remarkably loyal. I think, I mean, I have to say Doreen, uh, who, who listens to us on her runs, has been very loyal. She, she not only listens, but she always shoots out some quotes to like, prove that she was listening even to the end, so I got to give her credit. And we never paid up on this tease. We, we told Melissa that uh, she could get our listener and guest of the year if she claimed it because we just wanted to see if she was listening. And she tweeted us that she she claims her award. So she at least was listening once. Yeah. So uh, for those wondering, Melissa was a previous guest. She has a really popular improv show on Twitch, Goldie Bear. And Goldie and the Bear. Yeah, Goldie and the Bear. She's Goldie, Goldie and, and the other bear. guy's the bear, I think. And then she also had another one, right? Do you still remember what the other one was? Well, she's the Queen Goldie, I think. And then okay. she has a show with Goldie. But she's basically Goldie. Well, Goldie and the Bear is the Twitch Twitch handle, if I remember correctly. Yeah, but uh, she's she's got her own thing too. She's I think her little brain is Goldie. You know what I'm saying? And then Goldie goes with the Bear. Got she's going to be well, mad because we're like not helping people find her podcast. But <laughs> we're throwing all sorts of confusing, conflicting signals as we're trying to promote her. Go to Goldie something Y I E I A B. It's I don't definitely know. <laughs> it's definitely an I. <laughs> but it's funny. Yes. But Goldie and the Bear with an eye uh, on Twitch. And I don't think we're late on that. I think that happened because we last recorded on a Monday or a Tuesday. I mean, it's all a blur, but she posted on Twitter that she's still listening afterwards. 
and posted a nice GIF or GIF. Is it GIF or GIF? What do you prefer? I, I always say GIF, but I don't know. I mean, maybe I like peanut butter. I just say picture, funny picture with a moving thing really fast and some words. Maybe <laughs> is, that, is that easier? Funny moving picture that expresses emotions in ways worse than words. <laughs> yes, but makes you laugh nonetheless. <laughs> My favorite one is the dancing baby in the diaper, like the celebration one. That's a good gift. You know what I'm talking about? Where she does like that all like, hey, and then like, <laughs> you just have to imagine what I'm doing. With her it's hand. like slow. Move over head. Yeah. So I the dancing not. baby gift is a good one. Oh my gosh. That's funny. Marsha <laughs> loves sending me the uh, Kermit frogs going, yay. That expresses uh, an emotion. I like the Kermit the frog nervous one where he's like sweating and biting his fingernails because I've been nervous <laughs> quite a bit sometimes. So like, that's a good one to send. I love how we're just telling people our favorite. <laughs> this is the worst show ever. Uh, by the way, we also should give a warning because we taped the first part. Our next guest might be our most famous. We also went into some of the most serious, like straight, real stuff in this episode. Like it got very unshowbros for a while. Yeah, I, it, it got real. Uh, that's the power of you bring somebody who's on cnn and msnbc and and, and is, writes books and does research and changes lives like when you're going to bring on somebody that has that level of impact then you're gonna you're gonna get to some some cold hard truth out there so we got to be silly now because we got kind of serious and then we awkwardly transitioned to silly because we can't it's in our dna too and the oh, dna dude, of the show you just took away like half the excitement of listening to the episode where you're like wow this is stuff i'm, I'm like really learning I'm getting really like motivated to make the world better. And then how, then the next thing you're wondering is like, how are the show bros ever going to get back to show bro style? I didn't, I didn't drama. tell him it was effective. If, if you want to listen to, to it, was it good? Was it bad? Let us know. I mean, yeah, I just want people to keep waiting for it, you know, cause they're going to, you know, cause it's like on the edge of their sheet. Like it's kind of like the M night Shyamalan movie, you know, the twist is coming, but yeah. you don't know when it is. Yeah. Okay. So you like, <laughs> and they get worse and worse and worse and more and more obvious. It's like, the yeah, it's like the village yeah. was pretty much like right in your face the whole time. So yes, this yeah. is like an early M night Shyamalan movie. How do the show bros <laughs> learn something and then tactfully or not tactfully get ridiculous? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Doo -doo, doo -doo. What song is that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Let's get ridiculous. Uh, nah. yeah, but, uh, <laughs> I think I'm thinking of another one. Uh, anyway, <laughs> this is the best. So yeah, so we're getting it all out now. The other thing is it's a, it's about an hour interview that we have. So you and I have to keep this a tight five um, or else Doreen is going to really have to uh, be ready for her marathon. Wait, did you say a tight five? Because I'm looking at the clicker and we're already at 11. <laughs> yeah, I mean like tight five, I think is like a phrase I've heard. I don't know exactly where it's from. Man, I uh, hope the other real. update is my microphone went kaput. Well, my microphone works, but my headphones are kaput. So there's a good chance that for these last 11 minutes, I've been slurring. Oh, yes. I mean, I'm not hoping for that, but <laughs> it, it's better you than me. Yeah. And so I like when our guest comes on, I go super quiet because I was scared because my microphone didn't work. And now it's like, I have nowhere to hide because you, know, you can't carry the show. It's just you and me. We got to, it's a teamwork thing. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's a good point. I have to say this. And I would never do show bros without you, but you know, you talked about the behind the music and I'd break off and do my own thing. The <laughs> An last interview episode, the Ohio State coach. 
Yeah, the last the last episode of Through the Lens, Tracy couldn't do, so I, I did it by myself this weekend, and uh, it's hard, like to just sit there and talk to yourself for fifteen minutes. Like, don't ever leave me, bro. Let's not do the behind yeah. the music thing. Uh, all right, so I my microphone. That's one update. Melissa is in the Shulbros Hall of Fame. That's another update. Uh, favorite gift for teamwork? Since you're not going to go solo, is it? Do you have a favorite gift for teamwork? Is there one that comes to mind? Um, no, but I think they need to create one. You remember when um, Millie Vanilli would do the jumping high five? Yes. I just dated myself. That's like early 80s, but that would be a great, yes, teamwork gift. Blame it on the rain. Yeah, <laughs> this, is like yeah. the this is the weirdest, it's most so inside jokes episode. Should we talk more about Transformers while we're at it? <laughs> <laughs> more than meets the eye. Uh, All right, here's the greatest the question. piece about this too is the audio is terrible because my headphones not working or my microphone's not working. My headphones in the my content's terrible working. because we're idiots. Uh, but we did learn that you're going to see the coach of Ohio State. Now we're all hanging on the edge of our seat. Are you going to ask him for a quick ten minute uh, interview with the Shulbros? Oh man, <laughs> I love you, man, but I don't. I don't think that's going to work. Most famous guest yet. You would take the crown. I got a better idea. Why don't we just steal some of the audio from the Upper Arlington podcast, insert it in ours, and we'll ask the question, and then we'll get the answer. <laughs> oh, that's so genius. <laughs> and then we could, like, it could be, like, Mystery Theater 3000 or whatever that was, and we could just, like, laugh and then say stupid things and be like, what do you think? And then you just get them saying, like, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> or you, you get that audio. Go ahead. Do you think I could play on the team? And he's like, how are you? Or whatever. You know, it's like, <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to get him to say a couple of things that are like, absolutely. <laughs> um, I love it. <laughs> and then we could also do these, like do some things that we make some really ridiculous statements and then have awkward silence. But it's just actual silence that we don't he's have. Not actually, he's not actually there. <laughs> yeah. And then we're like, oh, Chris, did that make you uncomfortable? And then you get back to the audio where he's like, absolutely. <laughs> and then we laugh about it, that we just made him uncomfortable. Which begs the question, why haven't we been doing this for all of our interviews? Just get people who don't know us, steal their stuff off of like YouTube and just make up interviews. It's probably illegal. That and I think we've found my editing skills are pretty poor. Else I would have edited <laughs> about half of what we already talked about today. <laughs> you have no editing skills. The only if thing I keeping could... us from deep fake technology is the fact that we don't know how to use deep fake technology. <laughs> our scruples right. are also there, but so is our lack of technological ability. Is scruples, are scruples a good thing or a bad thing? Like, do we have scruples or we have no scruples? What, I, I never understood the proper usage of the word scruples. I think scruples is like something you want to have scruples because it's unscrupulous is a bad guy, I think. Ah, uh, okay. I think it's kind of like warmonger. Like, what is the monger ever with? Like, do you ever have like another kind of monger? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Like... <laughs> More monger is one who mongs war, but like, is there like podcast monger, grimus monger? Is there is there a goat monger? Like, these are things I need to know. Oh man, 
we're getting all the goofiness out so we can give people some real education. Oh man. What isn't that in a song line too? Now I'm about to drop some education just a little bit. <laughs> Come on, I think you that's a Coolio song. song. Yeah, there you go. How I think it's one, two, go? three, four by Coolio. <laughs> yeah. Something new. <laughs> and what, what's Google the line that we're trying to think of? Uh wow. I love that you just are like, I need to know this. Um, well, yeah, it's not enough have, to just exactly know the song. I need to know the I just gotta tell line. you like a couple lines. Um I'll try to find it while you're talking. Now I'm about to drop Here it is. information. Just a little, just a little... Add, just a little additive to your education. <laughs> I live by life by the code of funk. Six hundred watt amp eighteens in the trunk. There you go. <laughs> gonna drop some information, just a little additive to your education. There you go. That's what we're gonna do, man. We're gonna we're gonna drop some information, a little additive to your education. I think they've heard us laughing enough, um, and they've heard my microphone. Uh, I'm like a little scared. This one's going straight as is, man, because I don't even want to hear how I sound through what I'm <laughs> This is the episode we should not be doing that, but how about this line, dude? One, two, three. It's like ABC. If hip-hop didn't pay, I'd rap for free. Dude, if podcasting didn't pay, you'd, you'd do it for free. Because it doesn't pay us. We still don't have a sponsor, except for Sarah. Yeah. What is up with that, man? Driverconsulting.co, the only sponsor. Why didn't anybody follow suit? Too many looky-loos be looking for clues. There's a party going on now. What you gonna do? <laughs> this song is epic, dude. I forgot how <laughs> horrible and good it is. <laughs> oh, man. The, the greatest part about what's happening here is like, for whatever reason, you're just making me crack up. <laughs> Coolio lines delivered horribly. Coolio lines, the warmonger, the like. <laughs> I don't think you're making anybody else laugh. <laughs> I don't think but I'm making you. anybody laugh. But you have done your job in entertaining me today. And uh, all right, are there any other updates? <laughs> What's your favorite gift to to uh, of what we're feeling right now? I need. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I feel like Dramatic Chipmunk is pretty important in my life right now. Here's what I'm asking the Schulmeisters. If you are in contact with either of us, send us your favorite GIF or whatever GIF that you're thinking that comes to mind right now. Or GIF, if uh, you prefer to call it GIF. Actually, you know what one applies to this show? There's the one with Elmo's hands in the air, but there's like that burning bonfire fire behind him because <laughs> all is going down. <laughs> Oh, speaking of bonfire, dude, I've been watching that documentary you told me to watch on Woodstock. Yes. Marsha is so obsessed good. with it because she's like, how were you there? Like, <laughs> we're the last two people who should have been at this thing. <laughs> like, I don't know uh, how, but like, I didn't know any of this stuff was going on. Like, the it's rave. It's funny, too. I, saw, I was like, what? I saw Chris the other day, and he was like, "Here, I was totally out of place. Here I am with my... Uh, pastel colored polo. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We were the oh, squarest man. people there. And like, didn't you go up to the front for Limp Biscuit? Oh man, I was eight 
eight people from the front uh, for Rage, and then um, Metallica came on. So if you watch this documentary, you see that they're like spraying water on people up front and pulling them over the front. So while I'm trapped with 200,000 people behind me, I'm seeing them getting pulled over and I'm like, oh, I just got to make it like eight more people and they could pull me over into safety because I'm like burning alive. I'm being completely dehydrated and this Metallica just won't end. Like they just kept playing song after song after song. I'm like, please God, I don't care. And and then like I, I almost get to the front and then it looks like they're not just like helping people. They're like arresting them or something. I was like, I don't want to get arrested. I just want to get out of here. And then I, they finally, they like play like three encores. I don't remember how many. They finally stop. And I'm like, oh, thank God. Get me out of here. And then he's like, yeah. And he throws one drumstick into the crowd. And like the whole place converges on it. And then he throws one like three feet away from me. <laughs> no. And like everybody just like crushes in. It's like a, like a black hole. It just imploded. Like all the energy got sucked into this one tiny spot where the drumstick was. <laughs> like, why did you do this to me? The best part of the story is, uh, in full Darren is a nerd fashion. You were like, I got to get to the front for. I think it was Metallica. And I was like, I am not going in there. Like, come on, man. I was like, no. So we separated. I don't know where you ended up, but I was not going to the front. I was way in the back. Yeah. I I was. So if you watch that documentary where these crazy people (laughs) climb up on the MTV, what they call the Alamo. And it's like just this metal structure with wood plywood panels on it. And they're hanging on it like swinging on it, like animals pulling on the plywood (laughs) And, and they're idiots because they're like 30 feet in the air and they're hanging on plywood that they're trying to tear off with their like momentum. <laughs> and sure enough, when you tear it off, you go with it because that's all that you were holding on to. That's how and gravity works, dude. <laughs> it was totally Darwin. So these guys are like pulling on this thing and then falling into the crowd <laughs> with wood falling on the people. And I... I'm like afraid of that. And you go one direction. I'm like, well, I better go in the other direction. So I'm going closer to the, to the stage. Yeah, you went closer. And then this dude, so then they start crowd surfing on it. And this dude gets on there, this really old man gets on there naked and does a handstand and then loses his balance. And he starts falling into the crowd. And everybody's like, I'm not getting anywhere near I'm not that. catching that guy. I remember you told me that. Like, I'm not touching him. <laughs> like the girls, if you see the video, they're all catching them, if you know what I mean. But the dude is like, yeah, no, you're good. <laughs> so it, it, it was like the opposite of when they threw the drumstick in and like every, all the energy and all the people like went onto it like instantly. Like people are crowded, packed in. You can't move at all. But somehow or another, they all found a way to get really far away from where that dude fell. <laughs> like we need to talk about how stupid people were at this so first of all i don't think we like, should talk about it anymore man it's gonna get us into trouble because that's just a bad scene can we just talk about the mud oh yeah that was yeah all these people are like playing in mud and they're rolling in it and they're walking around as mud people and they're like eh, it's like the 60s woodstock man and we're like it hasn't <laughs> rained here ever it's dry the grass and- is all dead it's yeah, where's this water dry. coming from? This brown mud. It was like they were like two feet away from the back of the all the porta bodies. <laughs> we're like, I know where all that water's coming from. <laughs> so sick. <laughs> oh man, the funny thing is, in the documentary, they make it seem like that was a surprise. Like, oh man, 
they're playing in the mud and then it, it's filth. Like, and they didn't realize it. It's like, how do you not realize it? There's, there's one. Oh, that's in the movie. I didn't get that part yet. Maybe it might be in the Netflix one, but, but yeah, Yeah, it was, we figured that out. You meet you and me figured that out, but I think it's because we are the only ones who are not doing mind altering drugs here. Yeah, that's true. We were alcohol free, drug free, uh, water free. Apparently. I don't remember. I I don't remember eating there, man. I don't know. I don't think we ever found food. Did we bring snacks? We must have brought sandwiches or something. I think we oh, talked about we, this last we, time. We did bring sandwiches. I remember we packed them at Chris's house. Okay. <laughs> <They're> such dorks. <laughs> and I also remember this. We were there getting ready to go, and his little brother was there, and he was watching like Pokemon. And that was the first time I'd ever seen Pokemon. And that was our conversation. I still remember oh, life that. Changing. Life changing. Yeah. It's really funny too, because like you'll watch that that documentary. And you'll be like, there's no way that Darren, Jeff, and if you know Chris, they're like, there's no way those dudes are there. And then, yeah, Chris had his polo shirt, and we had our sandwiches packed from Chris's mom's house. <laughs> <laughs> and we had, had a three-person tent that was made for one. <laughs> well, and it was um, weird, like, the camping area. Like, I don't – there was, like, no direction. Didn't we just look for some grass and just put up our tent somewhere? Yeah, I mean – it was yeah we were crammed in there and i don't know how we found each other at the end of every night but because uh, we got separated on corn i remember that one on the first yeah, night yeah i didn't we got yeah. separated on uh limp biscuit we went in two different directions at alanis morissette we're like oh this vibe's cool we can get it crowd's getting a little unruly like the limp biscuit fans started booing her and heckling her yeah because um, she was right before them and that was not a good counter programming move And and I remember the Sheryl Crow thing where everyone was being jerks to her. I remember that because I actually liked Sheryl Crow. Yeah. It was an unsavory crowd of people, but uh, we we survived. And here we are talking about it. I mean, how did we not get beaten up? Like, no one robbed us. No one did any. I guess it was kind of, we were just oblivious, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they probably knew we had no money. What are they going to steal our sandwiches? (laughs) (laughs) My Du Bois bookstore shirt. <laughs> That's what I was wearing. Uh-huh. I was wearing my employee shirt from Du Bois bookstore, man. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's free advertising for Du Bois bookstore in Oxford, Ohio. Yeah, they're right here. Shulbro's podcast, man. Anyway, we said we'd do a tight five. This is not a tight five. <laughs> this is probably the worst 30. Um, but uh, Doreen? Uh, I hope you're not tired now because you still have 50 more minutes to run. <laughs> you <laughs> better going. get your good shoes on. Go, Doreen, go. Go, Doreen, go. <laughs> 50 minutes more. Keep running. Um, Classic. All right. This was fun. Uh, so, Darren, I think uh, let, <laughs> we're going to change gears dramatically uh, right after a word from our sponsors. <laughs> All right, Darren, we have a, a, a challenge to bring the most famous guest. And uh, word has it that uh, on many respects and in many circles, you might have done that today. Tell me who you brought on today. I do believe that this time I really have brought in our most famous guest. I am excited to introduce Nicole Gonzalez Van Cleve. Nicole started her illustrious career by serving on the Northwestern Associated Student Government with yours truly. Uh, and she has used that to springboard. And now she's a professor, which is awesome and very intellectual, but she's famous because she has provided legal commentary on, on TV, which, you know, you, you and I are obsessed with TV and she's going to add to this list, but I know I've seen her on MSNBC, NBC news and CNN. 
Before I continue the introduction, Nicole, am I missing any other cool places you've been on TV? No, but I love hearing that ASG at Northwestern was a springboard. That's that's a first. <laughs> yeah, it, it it, it's probably something we all. Well, Jeffrey always makes fun of me because whenever I talk about people being famous, I tie it back to somehow because of me. So, you know, I'm doing that again. <laughs> um, and I'm about to go even further because the other reason why she's famous is that she's published a book called uh, Crook County, Racism and Injustice in America's Largest Criminal Court. Um, and that book has, at least at the time I last looked, has been given 11 awards and finalist distinctions. So it's not just a book that you wrote and put out yourself. This is like a legit book. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, it is a legit book. She's like, I'm not going to brag. <laughs> it's a legit it book. I got it on Amazon. Yeah, I didn't yes. self-publish it at the, you know, just the copy center at Brown. So. <laughs> exactly. So I want to start off. We we we're obsessed with with fame because we are about as far from fame as possible. So we definitely want to talk about your book, but I want to talk a little bit about your stuff on TV. So how does that come sure. about? And talk to us about that. Yeah. Well, you know, when I was um, getting my PhD in Northwestern, um, you know, they train you to be a researcher, but they don't really train you to kind of translate research to the to the media to um, the public. And I think it was something that I really felt a calling to do, which is, you know, if people had good information about government, about police, about courts, prosecutors, whatever is kind of the motivating, powerful factor shaping people's lives, would they vote different? Would they act differently? Would they, you know, hold leaders accountable? And so I kind of firmly believed in that idea. Um, and so, uh, you know, I kind of worked to think about when my book came out, um, you know, how would I be able to get you know, kind of spin this into the media. And I really was thinking on a very small scale at first, I was thinking, well, certainly the Chicago media, the local NBC, ABC news uh, stations. And I began networking with an amazing mentor named Brian Monroe, who was, um, I, you know, an editor at CNN and became a wonderful mentor. And he said, you know, when your book comes out, you need to put as much effort that you did at writing the book into putting it in the media and in the public sphere. And I, took that really seriously. Um, and uh, on a serious note, Laquan McDonald was a 17-year-old that was shot 16 times by a Chicago police officer. And there was a all the way up to the city of Chicago. And what I realized um, back at that time was that, you know, everything I'd been researching in that book for over a decade really explained how the cover-up could happen, how you could go on the street and literally murder you know, a teenager and get away with it with everyone looking and with witnesses. And that, you know, turned into an op-ed where I almost felt like a whistleblower. You know, I was very deeply connected with the courts in Chicago, but it meant that I had to really tell my data and show how um, this vast cover-up was working. And after my first op-ed dropped in on NBC News, like just on their website, it migrated to the homepage. It started, you know, being retweeted and circulated on Facebook thousands of times. And then all of a sudden, my first TV appearance came on the Rachel Maddow show <laughs> within days. Um, and I mean, you know, that was exciting, right? So, you know, you go from being in your home and doing your regular life and being a professor to next thing you know, you're at 30 Rock and you're, you know, going up that elevator thinking about, oh, my God, what am I going to say? What am I going to do? Um, and seeing, you know, someone who's super famous that has one of the biggest uh, platforms on cable news um, ask you all the questions of the day. So, you know, 
kind of fun but stressful and it felt very important and eventful as well is she cool is awesome. or is she like is she like a you know too good for too cool for school <laughs> well okay so she's not I listening so you can be on, honest like we have like three I know. Listeners. so so my husband um who went to northwestern as well who you know um who dare knows at least uh you, you can know, give him a shout out. Like, that means he has to listen. Yeah, I'll, I never get to shout out my husband, Andrew Van Cleve, uh, class of 98 in Northwestern. Um, he, it, like, he will, the biggest joke in our house, like, is there'll be, like, Hillary Clinton on, on the Rachel Maddow show. And he'll be like, how the heck did you get on the show? So why do they, <laughs> why? Um, <laughs> so, so, you know, uh, it, I think it was, an, it was a crazy experience because you do kind of float into it on a set that you've seen for so many for so many years. And so it is this kind of like weird, surreal moment. Like I felt like it was an out-of-body experience because you have to bring your A-game on. Um, so it's like the type of mental focus, almost like taking like, a, you know, like a, an exam, uh, like a final exam or something that you imagine in like the paper chase or something like, you know, where you're like the professor yeah. brings you and next thing you're drilled, you know, and you're on TV and you're kind of holding your breath and you're trying to um, say all the right things and say it concisely. Um, and I think, you know, it's kind of weird. They, they put you in the makeup chair. Um, then they move you to get mic'd up into another room and then they move you to the studio. So you can watch Rachel's segment right before and then they move you from that space to the chair. And she's very, very kind. She's like, hi, welcome. Thank you, Professor, for coming. I am not ignoring you. I just have to prep for the next segment. And so literally while the commercial's going, she edits her script in real time. It seems like because she's a huge perfectionist. So she's literally wow. revising she's the nice. script prompter. Yeah, but she's super nice. I mean, she's super nice. She's super grateful um and kind you know i just I have to give so her I, credit it was a good impression. i have to give her credit for telling you i'm going to ignore you like that's really a nice touch because yeah. it's like <laughs> i'm gonna do it but at least she told you i mean that's really nice right well right and then she was also like multitasking while she did it which was quite impressive so she's literally revising the script that she's going to read within 30 seconds and then also kindly telling me that she's doesn't she's not ignoring me but <laughs> um but yeah i mean it's it's that it's an exciting moment. Um, and, and it's crazy. Like the, the interesting part about this is that when you get on the Rachel Maddow show, it's like getting this call, like it's like the bat signal or something. I mean, it's bizarre. They get a producer. You're to going. Interview you. Well, it's like they get it. You don't know. So they say, we're having you. One of our producers will call you and they do like a pre-interview and they record it to hear the tone and texture of your voice. So, you know, like, how do you sound? How are you answering? Are you interesting to listen to? Um, and then they'll say, well, we'll call you back in, in two hours if you're on. And so then that's when your heart starts racing because you have hours to kind of think about, did I make it? Am I, you know, prepare? Do I shower and fix my, what do I do? You know? Um, and so, yeah, I found out, I found out that I was on and they said, okay, we're sending a car from you for you to drive you to New York. And so they literally will send Wait, a sedan. Where were you living? I was in Philadelphia. <laughs> oh, that's big time. That's, that's, that's cool. like legit. That's like. They, yeah. 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 They said, you know, I'm like, you know, in that car, you have a long time to think about when you get there. Um, and then they say. Did it have snacks? No snacks. <laughs> I brought my own, but I was so nervous. I could not eat. I was worried. Free alcohol? <laughs> any yeah, any beverages? Was, 
<laughs> no? <laughs> no, it was very functional. You just get in that car. It's a nice car, but they're going to get you to the live television. I, I even was worried that we'd be stuck in traffic. I was like, and they're like, no, we do this all the time and we're tracking you. So don't worry. We'll know we're exactly where you are. I'm like, okay. I have this vision of Argyle in Die Hard where he's got the little mini bottles and he's going to hang out while you're in the building. <laughs> well, they had the guy. Uh, so Nicole, this he was waiting there right at the end. <laughs> And he saved the day at the end. You know, you got on TV, but we kind of went around about because we're, we're fame focused here, but we got, you got on TV because of this book you've written. Do you mind talking a little bit about your, your focus of study and what your book is about? Yeah. Um, so when I was an undergraduate, um, I had this opportunity to go work in the prosecutor's office in Chicago, in Cook County, Chicago. It's the largest unified court system in the nation. Processes, um, you know, hundreds of cases and got 10,000 incarcerated people in the single site jail, which is the size of 72 football fields. So this is really like a behemoth of a criminal justice system and one of the nation's, you know, largest American cities. Um, and so, you know, I thought I want to be a prosecutor. Um, and while I was there, I started taking field notes um, on the things that I saw you know, studying how prosecutors made, made decisions, discretionary decisions about which defendants got deals, which didn't. And in that space, you know, it was very clear um, that many prosecutors used uh, racist tropes about defendants um, to kind of belittle them or, you know, show that they were unworthy for trials or hearings. Um, you know, judges were falling asleep on the bench during jury trials. Uh, you know, people were, um, you know, being shuffled in and out of the courts with barely any representation. And, you know, that exploration, that failure of what the justice system should be or could be and what I was kind of promised um, in my political science classes and what it actually was, that, you know, that separation um, was what motivated me to say, you know what, I'm going to study this system and I want to understand from a local perspective, how do they rationalize this as doing justice when it looks more like racial abuse? And that was kind of the the lure into the system. And I think what made it more interesting is that, um, you know, my father is Mexican and, you know, I'm, I, I joke that I'm a, a somewhat of a racial chameleon is that, you know, on the one hand, I'm a Latinx, but on the other hand, I'm light skin. Some people say, oh, are you Jewish? Are you, are you, uh, are you Greek? Are you Puerto Rican? Like people can't place me. And that really allowed me to be kind of embedded in a place where most of the white attorneys thought that I was white and felt free to talk about black people, black defendants um, in a way that was completely unfiltered and, you know, talk about planning drugs on young black boys or talk about police perjuring themselves on the stand and incriminating an innocent person or shooting someone and covering it up. And so my access got particularly deep into this culture that really defined the lives of so many people. And so that that's kind of how um, I began thinking about, but also then writing about um, Crook County in a way that was, you know, really put race and racism as a centerpiece of, you know, how the justice system works. Um, and this was obviously long before we knew the name of George Floyd or any of the other people that had been, um, you know, killed by police. And so, you know, the, the biggest thing that I was astounded by is how many times there were suspects that were dead and, you know, prosecutors knew the cases didn't make sense. And there was whistleblowers that tried to come forward and they would be squelched and stopped. And, 
that really became the heart and soul of the Laquan McDonald cases where, you know, everyone could finally see a video of these types of cases that prosecutors had known about, but had covered up um, so completely. And for the judge's part, a lot of them were former prosecutors. So they knew the drill. They knew that when they were prosecutors, they covered up for police. And so that's kind of how this culture kind of so um, became so insulated and in how police could really get away with murder and know that their prosecuting counterparts would never rat them out. Wow. So, so this I, is, have a, sorry, I have a question on this, but um, in your studies, did you find that the people who opened up to you, that they were drawn to this role of power or that once they were in this community, like that they, like, was it a learned behavior once they were in the role or were they drawn to the role? I'm just kind of curious if, yeah. uh, and I don't, I don't know if you could speak to it based off your own interviews, only stick within yeah. what you were able to observe, but um, yeah, where does it happen? Sorry about that. You know, in the, um, the interviews that I did, so I, it, this was a really long study. Um, <laughs> it took me a decade to research this book. And part of it was because it did feel like I was peeling apart. Um, you know, I was just kind of, you know, peeling back the layers of an onion, like what step by step. And so you know, first it started with embedding into the culture and having prosecutors kind of teach me these clandestine rules of behavior and how deeply troubling they were. Um, and the, the second part, you know, once I started learning the rules, um, especially as a young person thinking, well, you know, why would this be okay? How, you know, how is this legal? I would literally write down in my, uh, my notepad. I'd be like, is this legal? Um, is it, this man is asking for an attorney and they're saying no to him and they're forcing him to, um, take a public defender who's, he said is not representing him well and has not visited him once, you know, all that stuff became the kind of entry point of, you know, kind of years of research. And then the, the interviews allowed for kind of more candid responses. And what you found was, you know, like outside the setting of where they were. Um, and what I, you know, what I said, or I asked them is, you know, why did you want to be a prosecutor? And most of them said, you know, I want to vindicate victims. I want to do justice. Some of them were a little bit more, um, you know, you know, what you could almost say is uh, a white man's burden. They, they say, I'm doing God's work on earth. Um, uh, I'm, I'm on the right side of justice and it's the one place I can be and know I'm doing God's work. I mean, so there was this kind of notion of a higher calling. And so the big you know, puzzle, the empirical puzzle was how do you go from having these kind of core values that I don't think anyone uh, would disagree with to becoming a type of prosecutor that systematically abuses people and, you know, or covers up murder? How, how do you do that? So, I mean, what I say is largely it's the socialization, but it's also this kind of boys club that if you don't fall, step in line with them, they'll come for you. They'll ostracize you in the office. They'll stop your promotion. Um, you know, one prosecutor tried to whistleblow on a, on the death of a suspect and they brought him into the office and said, what are you, a defense attorney? Uh, then he went up to the next level of command and they threw an ashtray at his head. <laughs> um, and when they, you know, he tried to talk to the chief prosecutor who was then Mayor Daly, they, um, they basically threatened to remove him from the office. So, you know, it was the socialization, but it, it's this kind of tacit threat of violence or losing your livelihood and career and reputation that really made people step in line so that you kind of felt that socialization into this culture was the only way. It was the only way. And, and you know, going through it myself um, was 
particularly important because I could see how it was done. I could say yes and to all their rules and not question their authority and just accept it whole cloth. But then secondarily, it was interesting to hear in the, in the interviews that they really did feel like they were doing, quote unquote, God's work. And so th those two together made it particularly shocking, if you will. I have a serious question and then, you know, more of this podcast kind of stupid question. So the serious question is, you know, this you wrote this before all the unfortunate incidents that have really brought this subject kind of into the public consciousness. You were kind of a, I don't want to use the word trailblazer, but I think you kind of were. So was there any blowback when you came out with this? I mean, this is, this is yeah. kind of shocking stuff. Well, yeah. I mean, well, how about this? I would say that to, to just suggest when I was in grad school that I'm going to research racism, pretty much all the white faculty that I encountered that studied law were like, well, how would you see something that's not there? So I might as well have suggested to them, hey, I'm going to study the existence of unicorns. I'm going to just go test that idea. <laughs> they had no reference point. And it was and what was interesting to me is that as soon as I walked in those courts, you know, to me, it was just so visible what people were doing. I mean, a lot of the attorneys would talk in, you know, Ebonics or Black English and make fun or mock defendants. And this would be like an open court. I mean, we're talking really egregious behavior. Uh, one defendant asked for a jury trial and they wrapped an extension cord around his chair and pretended to plug him into the wall like he was going to be executed. So to oh, me, it felt wow. very obvious. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is this is obvious. This is happening in broad daylight. And there are reporters everywhere, mostly white reporters that are not reporting on any of this behavior. And so that felt like um, a little bit like getting gaslit because you're seeing something that everyone else continues to be ignoring, except for the people that it's happening to. So if you sat in the gallery long enough, you would hear a black grandmother say to you, do you see what's happening? Um, and so I think that that drove me more to try to finish the study, which is to kind of keep it to say that, you know, people need to see what's happening in our court system, one of the largest in America. And I had a friend that said to me, I just want to run and see and talk to the New York Times after I, you know, she heard a job talk I done, I had done based on the book. And I remembered her saying that to me. And I thought that that's the gold standard. You know, if I tell the story, my goal is to get people to feel that way. You know, how do I make people see and how do I make people feel? And that really drove my research. But also it prepared me to say that I really did not care what was going to happen to me to a certain extent. Like, you know, you know, I was in a department that was a criminal justice department that largely trained police officers, except money from police, police departments. I am quite certain that they did not like me for what I did. And I'm quite certain that, um, there were many forms of retribution to my job at that point. I did, was not tenured or protected and, you know, upper administration did the best they could, um, to protect me on a very basic level. <laughs> um, you know, but the day after I was on the Rachel Maddow show, an appellate court judge called me um, on my cell phone and said, congratulations on your performance on the Rachel Maddow show as though I was performing and not mm. just telling the truth. And he says, well, I just want to let you know and kind of chuckled. You probably shouldn't go back into the city of Chicago anymore. And I said, excuse me. And it was just such an ordinary call. It was so just said with such a subtlety where you couldn't tell if he was joking. You couldn't tell if he was threatening me. It certainly felt like a threat. Um, wow. And 
and this is from an appellate court. So, you know, for the listeners, like circuit court would just be like the regular judges that hear criminal cases. But, you know, this is the next level up. And so you don't expect that. <laughs> you don't expect the cross check no. on justice to be calling your home or your cell phone. So I would say that plus, you know, hate mail. I mean, you get hate mail. Um, but for the most part, I feel really, you know, blessed that I didn't have any major um fallback and i i actually saw rachel maddow um this like a few months ago <laughs> so i was on leave at harvard and i got spent a year there and she was a you know speaking at harvard at an event that i was at and you know i talked to her just it was kind of a full circle moment and she said to me um you know because i said it really changed my life to be on the show it changed the trajectory of my trajectory of my career it allowed me to be on cnn and other places for the George Floyd verdict. I gave the verdict. I, I covered the verdict live on the BBC international and domestic with Katie Kay. And that was really wow. exciting because it was like one of those moments where you're in real time commentate. You don't know the verdict and you're helping the audience work through their grief, work through their anxiety and also project what could happen. And I was just thinking about if, Rachel Maddow didn't give me a form or a chance in that moment for basically an unknown professor. Um, none of that stuff would happen and not from a professional standpoint, but people might not be talking about this dialogue. Like they wouldn't be as knowledgeable about these cover-ups of murder. And to me, that felt like that was worth every single moment. Like you always, if you know something of that magnitude, you have, I feel like as a professor, I have a, a obligation to come forward at that point. Like, what's the point of my degree? Yeah, and the fact that she, the fact that she vetted you and put you on, also made you eligible for this podcast. You know, she's already well, I was proven that, that you can. Yeah, I was. Thinking... <laughs> that, that's basically was... how we make our decisions. We call Rachel. We're on a first name <laughs> basis, and we say if she has anybody she'd recommend. Right. <laughs> that did I'm okay. Like, hey, on is this person TV. legit? Like, yeah, you know, I was in ASG with her, but I don't know if she's good. What do you think? Yeah, we don't know what's happened <laughs> since. Well, Nicole, this is awesome work. Uh, please tell people, uh, again, I think you have a couple books. Please tell people where they could find uh, your books and any other, um, any other things that you want to pass along that they could learn more yeah, about uh, this injustice. So um, Crook County, you could just Google it, um, Crook County and my name, um, and it'll come up on Amazon, et cetera. Um, but I also wrote a small book called The Waiting Room that's available on Amazon Prime. And it was, um, you know, in a partnership with the Marshall Project, which is the Pulitzer Prize winning um, journalistic organization that does coverage of criminal justice. And it was an awesome opportunity. I pitched this story about uh, what it's like to get released from jail and how punitive it is and how the sheriffs literally have um, incarcerated people, formerly incarcerated people running for their lives in American cities with no jackets, uh, no resources, barely a bus pass to get home. And so, you know, that study felt really impactful um, because it was born out of, you know, defendants telling me people were released at three in the morning without any um, help or sustenance um, or any security to get home and also sheriffs bragging about it. So it's hopefully it's a good read. And the great part is it's free now. If you have Amazon Prime, you can listen to the book or you can download on your Kindle. Um, which is kind of exciting new, a new development there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. Uh, and uh, so this Jeff, is the I awkward have, part. I have one what? more question well, about, yeah. about Crook County. Yeah. Do you have a favorite page in Crook County? 
Because <laughs> I do. Favorite... Oh my gosh, I I don't I don't know what the favorite page is. Is it? Um... <laughs> Was Darren <laughs> acknowledged maybe... in this book? I this feel is like it's yeah, page page, page one ninety three. Darren Shulman is re- is acknowledged in the book as a yes. lifelong. It's all about friends. me, Nicole. This is a very serious book. But yeah, I got I said, acknowledged, and it's such an honor that everyone needs to buy this. <laughs> let me let me do one of those, you know, those like fancy readings that people do as an author. Like, okay, here yeah. it goes. I thank lifelong friends who've engaged in the ideas in this book, including Darren Shulman. Is that good? <laughs> there that we was go. good. That was good. <laughs> we gotta get that audio book. <laughs> That's the uh, only part of you need on audio. That's it. Yeah, that that's part. it. Yeah, just press repeat on it. <laughs> that's the It'll excerpt leave. that you put on Amazon. It's like look inside the book, and it's like yeah. <laughs> lifelong friendship. I think, yeah, I think the dearest friend. <laughs> yeah. Well, yep. this is going to be an awkward transition because that's some serious stuff that I don't want to. Um, I don't want to diminish in any way by now talking about um, pop culture and cats. Uh, I love edits. pop culture, and and can I just say something though? No one ever wants to talk about fun and light things so the idea that i can reflect on pop culture is amazing <laughs> thank you so yeah, we're going to talk rachel about... maddow's not calling you up there for movie reviews no yeah. oh she and should. i have so many thoughts on so many things <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to talk about what we loved what we hated and what we're looking forward to and uh we'd love to know what you loved uh this week or this month in pop culture oh my god well, I finally caught up on Stranger Things. And okay. so I know that's old, but for the people that are still thinking about watching it or not, but like the epic Metallica scene in the underworld, I've replayed it multiple times. <laughs> and I just watch it. And as I develop my Halloween costume, I've already ordered um I've already ordered my my shirt, the skull what is it called? The skull crew. I'm trying to think. Oh man. The Hellfire Club. Yes. It's a Hellfire club t-shirt um i'm gonna go with the like big curly haired mullet and a guitar and i'm ready i'm ready so that that's something that was was truly epic to me that's Um, amazing that's that's one of the best loves the week yet yeah and so for you and the people in the listening i'm not on my normal microphone and somehow for whatever reason this recording platform makes me sound very different when I don't use my normal microphone. So Darren, the awkward silence is your chance to fill in and play the role so I could be as quiet as possible today. Oh, that's cool. Well, you know what? We do we do say you sound like Dustin from Stranger Things, so that was inappropriate. Um, <laughs> right. So uh, my love of the week is actually one of Jeff's former hates of the week, and we have this happen a lot. I am two episodes into She-Hulk, and I totally dig it. She-Hulk stays relatively true to the origins of the character. She looks like she's supposed to, and it's just fun so far. And Nicole, this is kind of a theme to to you being our guest, but as a lawyer, uh, I love that that there's two main attorney superheroes, Daredevil, who's gotten TV shows and movies, and (laughs) She-Hulk. And I feel this show does her character justice, pun intended. So I'm all in on She-Hulk right now. Nice. All right. And Can Darren, I get one I, more thing that I, I I totally missed this one thing too that I want to give a shout out is it was an unexpected love that I didn't realize is the movie yeah, Thor. Yeah, you can too. I, I I didn't. Oh know yeah, you can talk about Thor all you want. Can I talk about? So I don't like the Marvel universe, and I know that that's a very controversial. No. There's just too many movies, and I can't figure them out, and I don't know where to start. So I feel like it's the train has left the station, and I'm like, 
I can't, I can't fix this. I can't. So I can help you. Okay. I do. Maybe I should come back again, but I, I feel like the, um, the Thor movie was hilarious. I, I loved it. I thought Russell Crowe was amazing. He plays uh, unexpected Zeus. There's lots yes. of, there's lots of naked butt scenes that are interesting and compelling <laughs> for viewers. And um, this show is about butts. Yeah. Um, and there is even a God of dumplings in it. And I, I was like, what an inventive character to make a God of dumplings. So, you know, there was a lot of reasons to love it. And I loved it. I love that one too. That was a former love of the week for me. That was a great one. Okay. Uh, Jeff, oh, so it's my turn. Week. Yeah, so dude. I'm going to, I have to fully warn you that I know I'm going to do what I normally do, which is flip flop. My love of the week is going to be a hate of the week, but I am loving the new game of Thrones, uh, house of dragons. Uh, I was very skeptical. I had low expectations. I was over game of Thrones after what they did to me in the last season. Oh. Uh, but uh, I'm loving it. And now the reason I warned that it might be a hate of the week is because I've read that they're going to time jump. So we're going to get all new actors of the same characters 10 years forward. And so it's possible to go completely off the rails. So I can only speak before the time jump. I'm loving it. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you I haven't it's, either. It's they exhausted violent. me in the last season. I got so exhausted and I was so angry at so many things that I just gave up. Yeah. <laughs> I usually hate prequels. Like we already know what kind of was going on. So I, I usually don't like them, but you're telling me it's worthwhile, Jeff. So far, it's got all that you loved about Game of Thrones, like the intrigue, the backstabbing, the power plays, but uh, the violence. And uh, but uh, it's a new story, and uh, I'm intrigued. I'm liking it. Hmm. It's not tired. Right, I, I had a long enough of a break, I guess. I needed that break. You know, I wouldn't go straight from Game of Thrones season finale to this. Uh, you need a break to want to come back to this culture and power play but it's interesting let I'm me ask it. you a really dumb question jeff if no one has seen game of thrones yet should they see this first or do you think it helps to see game of thrones first because even though this is a prequel i mean you might appreciate when the lannister shows up and you're like ah uh, lannisters but uh I, you do not need to know anything about anything all right to cool. enjoy perfect it. yeah they're not characters. I read the book and I, can't, I just can't remember who these people are. I don't think it's a, a, a story that's been told. But I don't know if that's true or not. Do you have a hate of the week, Nicole? Oh, God. Um, I'm trying to think. No, not really. I'm not bitter about anything. I Honestly, at this stage. Nice. I'm not. I mean, and I, at this, like, it's so hard to consume all the streaming channels that there's no way anything I could, I would never watch anything for more than 15 minutes that I would hate. Like I, it's just over for me. Can't do it. So you're not a completist. Like if I'm in there, I got to keep watching it. That really frustrates me. Oh my God. I can't know. And there's some shows that I've, uh, I, I like some of them. I don't even know. Like on HBO, there was one about like a pandemic and I, the first episode was awesome. And then I was like, so tedious. I'm like, I'm done, but everybody seemed to love the show. I can't even remember the name now, but it was a it was a pandemic like show, um, and I was like, I can't. Yeah, I don't really need that in my life right now, you know. Well, right. I was like, why are we watching a pandemic like show when we are literally living through or finishing up our own pandemic? It's just too much for me. Yeah, I was I'm <laughs> over that. Uh, yeah. Jeff is asking me to let him be as silent as possible because his mic is off. So I will give you 
my hate of the week. Um, I hate the Kelsey brothers and their podcast new heights. So, uh, Kelsey brothers are NFL players. They're both. One of them is Travis Kelsey, who is one of the best tight ends on the chiefs. They make millions of dollars. They have it all. And yet they still found it necessary to steal Jeff and my podcast format. So on Monday night football, they describe their podcast as a weekly show that comes out in the middle of the week with two brothers who use it to connect with each other from long distance. Sound familiar? That's totally what Shoal Bros is. They stole Shoal Bros and turned it into Kelsey Bros, and I'm mad on principle. You can't steal the Shoal Bros, man. No, it's like our whole format, dude. We use this as a reason to just talk and tape it, and they're doing the same thing, and they're famouser than us. I'm, I'm mad. <laughs> yeah, hmm. that I respect that, dude. Um. Is it my turn now? I just gave them more press. They're going to get more downloads because we mentioned it and they're not going to give us any credit. I know. Maybe they will, though. Maybe the Schulmeisters will have an uprising and demand uh, that they uh, acknowledge us as inspiration. Kelsey, if you're listening, the only way to make this right is to have us on your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only way. What's your hate of the week, Jeff? Uh, The... Speaking of flip-flopping, the Sounders lost. Their playoffs (laughs) are in peril, and uh, it's disappointing. They need to win the last three games and get some help. The roller coaster of emotions you've been going through with the Sounders on this show, it's kind of amazing. (laughs) You hated them, and now you love them, and now you hate them again. I've never hated them. I've hated watching them lose. I love them. (laughs) Oh, well, this triggered a memory me. I was just no. The Bears lost to the to Green Bay, and it was just terrible. I mean, absolutely terrible. I hated that this week. That's true. Yeah, I, that's a good hate. That was a, brutal, Nicole. That was like one of the worst games ever. It's it was so but sad. You could be a Browns fan, man. They totally melted down in the last minute against the Jets. <laughs> so at least it wasn't close. Yep. <laughs> Uh, are you looking forward to anything coming out uh, coming up here, Nicole? You know, I rely on um, Pop Culture Happy Hour. It's kind of my go-to pop. Well, now that I know more about your podcast, I think I'm going to tune in <laughs> just throw away the Pop Culture Happy Hour. Um, but no, I think, well, I have not caught up with Cobra Kai. And now I'm, I think that is a show where I'm kind of stuck now is I really enjoyed the first couple seasons and now it's getting a little crazy about a bunch of old dudes that just want to keep the grudge alive um but i need to catch up and binge watch that show so i need i am somewhat looking forward to it but i'm also holding on to i don't want to binge it too quickly because then it'll be done and i'll be sad is that show over or is it still coming out with new seasons this is a brand new season and just dropped like i don't know maybe two weeks ago now but i've been holding off and binge watching but they didn't announce that this is the final season or anything, but you would then have a longer break between seasons. Yeah. I'm pretty bad with that. Yeah. I'm pretty Sometimes bad. I like just, to wait till the end. Good. So yeah. I know. Right. I just want to know how, what I'm getting into, you know, like wait till the season gets canceled. Then I can watch the whole thing. Yeah. I can. Well, I did that with Ozarks, which is, I watched it as soon as it came out, we just binge watched the entire show. And then I was like, everybody was still getting through it. And I'm like, Oh, I know what happens. It's over. And I had no one to talk with and stuff. That's the hard part is you need someone to talk with and get the therapy through the, the final episodes. 
Uh, I will tell you this, Nicole. Uh, I do that with Marvel movies because I review movies with my friend Tracy on Through the Lens, wherever fine podcasts are found. But we always see them before they come out. And I'm so geeked up to want to talk about all the stuff in the Marvel movie, but there's literally no one I can talk to because no one has seen oh. it. So I feel your pain. I like, here's the thing if you gave me a Marvel tutorial, I would gladly watch the Marvel uh, movies. I just, you know, when you, know when you feel oh, so behind. That. You feel so behind and like there's no way to catch up. And the same yes. thing with Star Wars. Like I don't even know where to begin with the mess that I've made of not continuing. When Jar Jar Binks came out, I was like, this is it. I'm never coming back to this franchise again. And that was a really long time ago. And now I'm, I made a huge mistake. <laughs> I can get you back in both franchises. I can, be your, I can be your guide to the forces of good on this one, Nicole. Yeah, um, so don't you worry. <laughs> that sounds excellent. Uh, my looking forward to is mostly on behalf of Marsha, but the Delaware County Library is hosting an event with uh, an author, actress known, her name is Felicia Day, and she is like a geek icon who has been in all of Marsha's favorite shows. She was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Supernatural, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog, and a few episodes of Dollhouse, which, by the way, is a criminally underrated show, if you haven't seen it. Um, she's all, As I said, she's an author, and she's doing an author a talk at the, hosted by the library, and I got Marsha and my tickets, so we're excited to go. I, I know who Felicia Day is, but I'm totally geeked out just because Marsha is geeked out that she gets to see one of her favorite people. So I am geeked out for that. That's in October. Nice. I'll take it. Awesome. Uh, I am geeked out on uh nothing actually but i'm looking forward to la brea the second season uh it wasn't the best show but my family watched it all together and so i'm looking forward to to seeing what happens next did either of you watch the oh, yeah, i reviewed that last year i gotta review it again what what is it oh it's ridiculous so they like la it, it, the la brea tar pits had this big like weird hole slash wormhole and people mm. like fall in it and then they're living like how many years BC, Jeff? Was it sixty-five thousand years or something? Could be. I don't know. Ooh. Mammoth times. You know, they're they're living and they're just kind of stranded there. And you think it's going to be about people stranded in the past, but then it kind of went off the rails. And there's these like other wormholes and time travel and leaving things under rocks. But it, it was pretty good. Nice. That, that For an NBC show. Like... Oh, it's on NBC. Huh. Yeah, so yeah. here's the thing. NBC makes me mad because they have all these high concept, like fun shows, and then they cancel them all. So the simple fact that they let the season go and renewed it is enough to make me watch it. That's impressive. <laughs> That's yeah. impressive. Remember Surface, Jeffrey? Yeah, that was sad that they're just like, yeah, we're done with Surface. Uh, that was like my favorite show. All um, right. Okay. Well, we got to get time. Real or fake? So, Nicole, oh, real or fake? Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, I, I'm going to give you a description of a media project, could be TV show or movie, uh, okay. and you have to guess whether it made the light of day, whether it's real, or whether I made it up. Uh, and before you dive into your summary judgment, you and Darren, are, he doesn't know whether this is real or fake either, and the two okay. of you will kind of talk about the clues of what you think is real, why you think it might be fake, and so on. Okay. So This is stressful. There's some really bad- It is very stressful. I your entire yeah. reputation is on the line here. Here we go. <laughs> okay. Arlo and Tulip were born to hate each other, but when their world is turned upside down, they're forced to go on an epic journey together that will change their lives forever. I mean, it sounds like Milo and Otis. 
I feel like that's real because it's just so ordinary and it could be like on Disney, Disney plus, um, you know, it just sounds like the basic kid conflict and they learn to be friends. You know, I think it would be real. It's very specific with the names. Like, I don't know if Jeff could come up with Arlo and what was the other name? Tulip. I bet those are like kids in a preschool classroom that he, his, like his children have heard. <laughs> oh yeah, so it's like Olivia. Who's your best friend? Arlo. Audrey, what's your yeah. best friend? Tulip. All right, that's the names on yeah. this weird, real or fake. Yep. So here's the here's the disadvantage <laughs> we have, Nicole. I usually do okay. the real or fake, but Jeff wanted to try, so like he doesn't have a pattern that I can figure out. Like I've got some okay. tricks that he's figured out, but he doesn't have okay. one yet. So can you can you read the part about the adventure again? I'll just read the whole thing. Arlo right. and Tulip were born to hate each other. But when their world is turned upside down, they are forced to go on an epic journey together that will change their lives forever. The born to hate each other makes me feel like mm-hmm. one's like a cat and one's like a mouse or something. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is it sounds like a classic kid show. It just, Man, it, I don't want to get like this wrong. Like, Maybe there's, no, there's a lot of pressure on me, Nicole. I know. Maybe it's too ordinary. <laughs> You're making me second guess myself now. Well, how, how old are your kids? Mine are nine and 12. Oh, yeah. Wait, okay, so, <laughs> Wait so I guess you were... weren't asking me, Derek. Well, what about you, Nicole? How old are yours? <laughs> uh, 10 and 12. So, oh, wait a minute. So if Jeff is using something that his kids watched, your kids might have seen the same thing, which is why you're saying it's real. No, I've just I'm going seen real. Disney Channel do-gooder shows that I feel like that it seems very... Although maybe that's why he's so creative about it. Maybe that's why he knows the template and the cookie cutter. I mean, I've seen. See, I've I don't, seen my them. kid's three. She doesn't watch anything, so I don't have a good perspective. So I'm going to trust you. You just got credibility. Well, wait, I'm going to say wait, real wait, if no, you think no, it's real. No, no, wait, wait, wait. One no? second, though. One second. Talking yourself wait. out of it? Yeah. No, I'm just. It's possible that he knows the cookie cutter, so he wrote it in that format. And maybe it's fake. Maybe it's just because it's not very good. It's not a good description. Like that description will not get you on NBC or Disney. It's bad. So let's go. Or Rachel Maddow. Right. She's not going to have that. She's not going to have that screenwriter on there. So I'm going to say, I'm going to say, I think it might be fake because it's, it's poorly. All right. I'm going to go with you. Yeah. Poorly written and vague. I'm going to go with fake, but if it's real, it's a cat and a mouse. I'm hedging my bet. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, I, I added in a little extra detail. Uh, this is, as Nicole realized, every single movie that's been released in cartoon format in the last 15 years. Uh, and so Arlo <laughs> is uh, from The Good Dinosaur and Tulip is from Storks. But basically, and it drives me nuts, every movie is about two people who don't like each other go on an epic journey and find out that they do. Just as Nicole said. <laughs> she nailed it. She basically nailed what you were doing. She used her sociological mind to peel the layers of your brain and figure you out. I love it. That was pretty magic, right? It's like, wait, that's that real. Because I've seen it. I was like, wait, oh, that's wait. real. I've seen that movie a million times. Wait a second. And now it's fake because you've written just the cookie cutter. That's the same He's line. seen that movie. He's also <laughs> seen that movie a million times. This, this is also the first time like our discussion actually got us to the answer. Because you literally are like, wait a minute. And I was like, I trust you because you've seen it. And you're like, I have seen it. And so has he. It's fake. <laughs> fake. Yeah. Liar. 
That's Darren, true. you get some super lawyer credit on that one because like you asked the probing question that brought out the truth. You know, you're like, That's how old true. are your kids? It's like, ah, their kids are the same age. We've seen the same movies. We've seen this over and over and over and over and over again. <laughs> This was a good, good, good one, Jeff. And also good to have a guest that is in that exact, you were in the right place at the right time to help me with the right question. Cause no other guest probably that we've had on could have gotten that one right. And in fairness, I was going to give you credit regardless of what you chose, because it is actually every single movie. Um, and it's also not any single movie. Right. It's all and now that you say it, I remember Arlo from Good Dinosaur. I didn't see the other show. Oh, I did see their show, but I didn't remember her name. So very good. Yeah. Storks is the same movie. Wreck-It Ralph is the same movie. Toy Story is the same movie. Inside Out is the same movie. Yep. Uh, it goes on and Ice on and Age. on, man. Ice Age. Ice Age. Yep. Ice Age too. <laughs> yep. <laughs> They're all in there. Yeah. So anyway. Uh, this was awesome. Darren, I'll let you close it out so people don't have to hear me more than they, they have to, but good work on that, that teamwork. <laughs> I want to, I want to thank, I wanted to thank Nicole for coming on and, and educating us about her book and being famous, but now I'm shifting <laughs> to thank her for her assist on real or fake, because you just gave me some real cred. And, you know, you said before the show, you know, I don't know much about pop culture. What if I don't know what you're talking about? And you totally redeemed yourself with this one. So yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, we, we appreciate it. And, uh, you know, ASG, if you're a student out there going Northwestern, this obviously can springboard you to great things in life, including a podcast appearance and a real or fake victory. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> Thank you.